0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We have a special group, we do. Uh, guys who have a lot of confidence and we know uh, we're a good football team. Now, we need to get some more wins and we've lost some really close, tough games, but doesn't take away from the fact, uh, special group of guys. Some older guys, a lot of, just a lot of respect for the leadership, the player-led leadership we have on this team and, and I know we're gonna bounce back. I know our focus is already on Minnesota.
1: They did so many things good tonight. That was as much fun as I've ever had coaching a football game with the fans the way they were in the stadium and the way we responded and they're a damn good football team. I give them a lot of credit, so are we. And I told the boys before the game,
2: usually those games come down to one or two plays. And
0: We've been through a lot as a team and just the way we just come back from adversity, it's, it's been great because I can see it fronthand. and everybody just, you know, we just pull, pull together tighter. Like in situations like this, we come tighter because we there. We there, we just got to see the results.
3: And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we take you through this hour, getting you ready for Nebraska at Minnesota. It's an 11 a.m. game after three straight weeks of night football for Nebraska and on the road for the first time since Michigan State. Minnesota coming off a bye week. They eked out a seven-point win uh, before that against Purdue, but the week before that they lost at home as a 31-point favorite to Bowling Green. And then this week, head coach B.J. Fleck announced that Trey Potts, their other starting running back alongside of Mo Ibrahim, who's out for the year, is now out for the year as well with an undisclosed medical condition. So lots of adversity in this Gopher program. It's a real opportunity, Robin, for Nebraska on the road this week.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at what uh, the rest of the season holds, this is uh, right up there uh, as far as must-win situations uh, as there is on the schedule. I'd put this game and Purdue as games that Nebraska you gotta
3: have absolutely has to no win. No ifs, ands, or buts. I mean,
2: because after that, then you're hoping just to get one against the Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State's. Uh, on the schedule. So if you let an opportunity like this against a a down Minnesota team that has really struggled, that once again is shifting through personnel like crazy, uh, you know, their skill positions have been depleted, uh, and really this the offensive identity is is a real question right now. Nebraska's been playing really good football. So as long as these two things continue, this is a game Nebraska should Win and it would be a great step forward to actually get uh, another reward for the effort they've been putting in for eight straight weeks to be able to go into the bye with a win, rest up physically, and then have two weeks to, to feel good going into that Purdue game.
3: Yeah, you look at Minnesota, and you know, the real strength is probably their offensive line. I mean, they've got a very, very experienced group up front. And you know Tanner Morgan's a veteran quarterback, but he needs the he needs the running game to complement And Minnesota wants to run the ball seventy percent of the time, so Nebraska they need to match up up front. They need to slow down the run, the RPO game, to not then put the game in Tanner Morgan's hands because I think he is really struggling right now.
2: Well, I mean, compared to the quarterback he was two years ago when they had that breakout season, everybody considered him a potential first round draft pick. Uh, man, that dude has fallen off. And I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, I think defense has figured him out a little bit and understood that uh, if you find a way to contain that running game and force Tanner Morgan to have to beat you, he's going to struggle. I mean, he is not a put-the-game-on-his-arm-and-go-win-the-game-through-the-air type of quarterback, and so that's got to be the game plan for Nebraska. And like you mentioned, Minnesota's likely going to be starting a a freshman running back who uh, you know has only got a handful of carries on the entire season, and a lot of those came in mop-up duty in that blowout win over Colorado. Uh, So they don't really know what to expect with there. So talking with Eric Chenander – On Tuesday, uh, you know, he said that's kind of the the worry right now It's just the unknowns with Minnesota, not only with their personnel, but they're coming off a bye and PJ Fleck uh, has been known to uh, get a little crazy with his play calling. And so they're expecting maybe some, some unique looks that they haven't shown on film, uh, some trick plays, some gadget plays. Uh, I would also expect them to utilize, you know, some wildcat formations a little bit more. Uh, they have another quarterback. They have
3: to run the football. Period. They, ha-
2: they have another quarterback behind Morgan too, who's a better runner. Uh, that I would probably anticipate seeing him involve more with some zone reads, just just to give Nebraska as much to think about defensively as possible. Just just given how uh, hamstrung they are uh, with their offensive personnel.
3: Yeah, and they, you know, they've got a a good front seven on defense, but I think the back end is where Nebraska this week will have to make some noise. You know, their, their best player is arguably Tyler Nubin or nubbin um, a safety. And, you know, he, he's, he's been solid for them, but you know, after that, they've got, you know, a couple of good guys on that, on that uh, pass rush Uh boy, Maffey. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. Boy, Maffey. boy, a, a Maffey and Thomas rush uh, two pretty good edge guys. But really, they have three guys that I've gotten after quarterbacks this year. Um, so it is going to be a challenge for Nebraska's tackles up front to protect. And as we know, it, it's kind of a challenge every week. But um, I do think the strength of Minnesota is their O-line and some of the edge pass rush guys. And, and those are some of the weaknesses for Nebraska at times.
2: Yeah, and so being able to hold up with the protection, um, you know, obviously uh, you're, you're fully committed back to the Bryce Benhart right tackle turner Corker and left tackle combo that that struggled uh, I mean for the first you know half of this season uh, they played fairly well uh, against Michigan in that you know emergency situation when um you know uh, Teddy Praska went down but uh that's got that's going to be a big key it's not only can Nebraska run the ball but can they protect Adrian because I think that this game is going to be fi- defined by Nebraska's ability to stretch the field, make big plays in the passing game, and then put the pressure on Minnesota's offense to have to keep up. If Nebraska tries to play in an ugly, uh, you know, defensive-oriented, chew-up-the-clock type game, that's going to play right into Minnesota's game plan. So Nebraska has to get off to a fast start, hit some explosive plays early, and force Tanner Morgan to have to beat them.
3: Yeah, and you look at those two defensive ends, Robin, um, all of their sacks, they've had a combined nine sacks when you look at – Boye Mafi, and Thomas Rush, they have all come over the last three games. So the that duo has averaged three sacks per game, and that should give you a snapshot. They're coming off some uh, rest. That will be the matchup. Can Nebraska hold off that pass rush to give Martinez enough time to exploit this gopher secondary? And, you know, last week was tough. Michigan, I think, was really good at all three levels. I think Nebraska can get after the gopher secondary in this game.
2: Well, and I thought that their approach to pass protection was a lot better than it had been. Uh, not only were they running plays where agent was getting the ball out faster, but they weren't trying to just have your tackle go one-on-one with, you know, an elite level defensive end with Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan. They basically just let him pin his ears back and run forward and then brought Adrian up. So Hutchinson would just run right by him, and Adrian would step up in the pocket and then either create plays um, within the pocket or or scramble to extend plays uh, outside of the pocket. So I would anticipate a fairly similar approach to that to where you're just trying to help your, your tackles as much as possible and not have them have to protect for five seconds where Adrian's just kind of sitting there waiting for routes to develop.
3: And finally, you know, Nebraska, once again, um, a touchdown or less loss. They're 5-16 under Scott Frost and games decided by a touchdown or less. Three losses by three points, three points, and seven points. The teams all ranked inside the top ten. Nebraska will also play Iowa and Ohio State. Two other teams ranked inside the top ten. Not sure if this is accurate, but I believe Nebraska might be the only team in the country, Robin, that will play five teams that are currently in that top five yeah. or top ten.
2: Yeah, that's like a uh, old uh, SEC schedule where you know they had all the teams in the top ten. So Nebraska's going through that right now, um, but you know it's just it's part of the deal. I mean, that's just what this league is, especially now when when the Iowas of the world are being rated what they are. Um, you just Kind of got to play the hand you're dealt here.
3: All right. Well, we got a full show on tap here as we'll continue to get you ready for Nebraska and Minnesota. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast,
1: lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC.
0: You're listening
3: to the Husker Online Show. Your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, he's got
1: a chance to show us this week. Um, he's from Minnesota. He's getting a chance to play against them. Uh, I don't think he played his best game against them last year. This is a big opportunity for him and we got a lot of faith in him. He's got to have a good week of practice, and counting on him, him, and the rest of the guys to play well.
0: Yeah, no, I was so freaking proud of him. You know, he's he's my roommate. He's one of my best friends. Um, but obviously, when his number was called, he 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 answered the door. He, he kicked that thing open. Uh, you know, we had a we had a sweet play to the right, and you know, he ended up getting his dude on the ground. He pancaked them, and I looked up at the jumbotron and saw it, and I was like, there you go, Price. So you know, I was really ha- happy for him when I saw that. So. And
3: welcome back here to the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washet as this segment of the show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, located on 30th and Yankee Hill Road. Uh, get on into Tanner's here in Lincoln. Watch Nebraska-Minnesota. Watch all of the NFL action this weekend, our Monday night as well. Great spot to go before the game, during the game, after the game. If you're a fight fan, they get all the fights at Tanner's, all the pay-per-view fights, so they're busy. I talked to uh, the ownership this weekend, and they dropped a lot of money to get the fight. They don't charge cover charges, um, so you know they always have stuff going on in there, and they want it to be your hub to go for anything sports, even if it's BTN Plus streaming of Nebraska Volleyball. They'll have that on at Tanner's. So get on in there and uh, watch all the Husker action this weekend on 30th and Yankee Hill Road. But you heard um, Turner Corcoran, Scott Frost talking about Bryce Benhart, Teddy Prohaska out for the year, torn knee, and, you know, we'll see kind of where that all goes, if he can get potentially his red shirt because he played in five games, but one of the games he played five snaps. He only played two quarters against Northwestern. You know, he only played basically two quarters against Fordham and two quarters against Buffalo. So I think Nebraska's got a case to get Teddy the year back. Um, but in the meantime, now it's all – it's Bryce Benhart. And sometimes, Robin, you don't know what you had until you lost it. And you hope with Bryce Benhart – That's the case. I think he really felt like he didn't have anybody probably challenging him for his job and Frost shook it up and he was on the bench. And I think he came in and he responded really well last week when when Teddy got hurt, he came in and played well. And now going back home to Minnesota, you hope that he can continue that.
2: Well, I mean, he's a guy that people have been excited about for a long time now. I mean, his just size, the, the frame that he has, he's the prototype of what Nebraska and a lot of other teams want in a tackle. I mean, he's a former four-star recruit, you know, was one of the top 20 player. at uh, had his position in the country coming out in 2019 And it seemed like he was on the fast track to becoming an elite level player but for whatever reason i mean he struggled mightily i mean the the pro football focus grades backed up what we all saw just watching the game where you know he looked like you know kind of a a bullfighter out there just (laughs) letting them letting the defenders just ole right past him and that was becoming a real issue to where um you know adrian martinez was running for his life on darn near every drop back and Ben Hart was, was right up there. I mean, Turner Corcoran wasn't much better, but you know, Ben Hart's mistakes were pretty glaring. And so Nebraska kind of had their hands forced where they had to make a change. And they went with a true freshman uh, to throw him right out there uh, against Northwestern and, and, it, and it clicked, but now you kind of go, got to go back. And and when Teddy went down, there was a lot of questions of, you know, is this going to work with Bryce and to his credit he stepped up and actually played pretty darn well um, given the circumstances. And I think that's a real testament not only to him as a player but as a person to be able to handle a situation like that and respond the way that he did, to be ready mentally just as much as physically to step into that situation against that defense and play the way that he did. I think that's a real testament to him.
3: And it's tough because everyone is prideful and you've got an ego in some respects about yourself and – yeah, I go back. It reminds me of when Zach Stirrup, um, you know, he got benched and they finally put him in the year late as a guard and he responded and made the NFL. Um, so we, we've seen it before with guys that have the ability that maybe lost their job and came back and have moved on and, you know, done really, really well. And hopefully that's the case. You know, another guy, Robert, I want to see respond this week is Jaquette Giant. He only played, what, nine, 10 snaps in the game, went the wrong way on a critical two, second and two, and then that was it. He was gone. That wrong direction led to a punt, um, and on third down, and you know we didn't see Quez and Yan again. I think you know he's got to be a little bit fresher than some of these other guys. Hopefully, they can use him to kind of pound Minnesota because I do think they need that physical presence of Jacquez Jean to go with Ramir Johnson this week.
2: Yeah, you need a, a one-two punch there. But, you know, to be fair, uh, <laughs> Ramir Johnson played probably his best game yet. Yeah, he had, he had over what 100 100-some receiving yards receiving yeah. and about 70-some rushing yards. And so, I mean, he was making plays all over the field. He was one of their most you know productive offensive players overall. And so that, I think, had a lot to do with it. You know, they just decided to stick with the guy that was playing the best, and that was clearly – ramir johnson it wasn't like sevian morrison you know all of a sudden ramped up the 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 depth chart either so you know you would like to see a little bit more of a of a combination there i mean just because of the 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 different element jacques yant brings to the table with his physicality his size his ability to gain yards after contact in a game like this against minnesota which they're they're a physical front seven as we talked about uh you got to be able to get those extra yards. And, you know, Ramir runs hard, but he's just a smaller back, whereas Yant, he can match up physically with those guys and be able to get churn out some of those yards to turn a, a third and eight into a third and five.
3: And then finally, as we look at this uh, game for Nebraska going out to Minnesota, how will Adrian respond? I mean, this guy has been through so much. Nebraska played, honestly, in a lot of respects, one of their better games under Scott Frost, and they lost on Saturday. The second half, particularly, that was one of the better halves of football. It was one of the more quarter. It was 22 points, almost 200 yards of offense against an elite defense. I mean, Nebraska went for like 189 in the quarter and 22 points. I mean, that's a pace of scoring 88 points and like 800 yards against an elite defense. So that was a snapshot of what we know this team and what Scott Frost is play calling and Matt Lubick, what they can do but can they respond i mean this is going to be a grind 11 am on the road eighth game in eight weeks fourth time on the road this is this to me is as big of a challenge as any game on the season's a schedule because of the circumstances of where this team's at right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, just the, the number of emotional losses they've had to try to bounce back, you know, wipe the slate clean uh, and do it all over again. And then the fact that it is eight straight games. I mean, Minnesota is going to be, you know, coming off a whole week off, you know, with their bye this past week. And so they, they have an advantage there. Uh, and then just the, the, the physical and, and mental toll that this season has had, not only just with the, the number of games in a row, but the, the way those games have gone. Uh, I mean, this is going to be a, a big test to see what Nebraska's really made of it. And, and if they can answer the call again, uh, you know, playing against a, a, a team they're expected to, to beat. I mean, they're, they're a three point favorite, at least that's how they opened up on the road. Uh, and that's after playing what three straight ranked teams in a row. So, I mean, can you get yourself up mentally and you know continue to battle through all the bumps and bruises that that you're dealing with after eight straight weeks of football? And if they can, they should win it. But you know that's easier said than done.
3: Yeah, this is a home game. I think Nebraska is an eight to ten point favorite in Lincoln, but I think the circumstances really factor into that line. Gophers are coming off a bye. Nebraska's coming off a night game. They got to travel. So you almost like lose a day in everything there. I mean, because you played till practically midnight or 11 o'clock at night, and then you travel on Friday and you play early on Saturday, so you know, Nebraska in that window is losing about a day of everything.
2: Well, that was a physical game too, right? And so they they didn't even go pads on Monday, which
3: they normally do. At least get some And They were element. a little shorter on Tuesday or today, I'd say. Yeah, they practiced practice on Tuesday.
2: So clearly, they're trying to alter up their their week to try to save, keep guys as fresh as possible because guys are they're beat up right now. And they'll, they'll, How they'll, I'm beat up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if, if I'm feeling like this, I can't imagine like they're the actual actually playing. Play, yeah. yeah, but like you know, I think that that's that's gonna. Be be a real balance here is how do you prepare yourself for another physical challenge because minnesota is going to bring it they they might be uh depleted with their their roster but they have a brand of football that's a physical style of play on both sides of the ball and you know nebraska like i said they they just got a 12 round fight against michigan and they had kind of had to alter their whole week to try to rebound
3: rebound from that all right when we come back we're going to discuss defensive storylines to watch in this game you're listening here to the husker online show This is
0: Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Them running the ball on us, you know, we had an opportunity uh, in, in that game. We had the opportunity at the end of that game to, to you know, get off the field on defense and get our, give our offense a chance. And, uh, you know, we couldn't get off the field. So, um, you know, that's uh, something we're obviously going to be ready for. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I see is this team staying together and this team's
1: united, you know what I mean? Like. Actually losing hard, you know what I'm saying? We just got to figure out a way to get these wins with the improvements there and the unities there of this team.
3: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett getting ready for Saturday's 11 a.m. Minnesota game in Minneapolis as the Huskers take on the Gophers. It's an ESPN2 game uh, for the Big Red. You know uh, last week's game was an ABC game, Robin. That was only Nebraska's fourth ABC game since 2017. Their first since 2019, Um, and you know that's when the Fox deal 2017 was the first year of the Fox deal of the Big Ten, Uh, so they weren't on ABC very much uh, with that new Fox deal. But back on that Family Networks this week at ESPN two, but the defense you you hear about these guys and they've played well, but I thought Michigan really wore them down at times, and you know you always handle the grades on Pro Football Focus, Robin. And I do the offensive ones. And when you look at the defense last week, I th- it really jumped out to me how much the rotation of the defensive line has kind of um, tightened up. Mm-hmm. Like we, you know, and we just haven't seen them play a lot of guys additional snaps. And that's where Casey Rogers would be nice to have for more. Jordan Riley evidently was sick last week and, and didn't practice, um, so his reps were really really limited. So they pretty much only played four guys um on that defensive line the entire way and when you're playing an elite pro style jim harbaugh type team that's a lot of snaps to have guys go over 80 snaps um in some respects against a team like michigan
2: yeah i mean you got three defensive linemen that played 50 or more snaps and you know that doesn't seem like much but when you especially combine what it was the highest number 57 for ben stilley and so, so they
3: try to rotate like a they, – they basically rotate four guys to play three. Yeah,
2: so it was 57 for Stilley, 55 for Robinson, 51 for Daniels, and then 39 for Thomas. Then that was basically the rotation because
3: Casey Rogers was the only
2: D-lineman that played in that game, and he had seven. So, so no
3: Jordan and Riley. Yes. So, and, and then obviously they don't really have anybody that they're going to play after that.
2: Right. So, you know, that I think kind of is in- indicative of when – they, they need it and they're in a game that that's you know a big time level competition they're going to stick with their guys and you kind of saw that in a lot of a few other spots too they rotated a little bit more at linebacker you know klarovic played 24 snaps um but then you know defensive backs too uh you know they they stuck with their four guys and miles farmer was the next man up with 18 snaps so it wasn't just the d line i think they kind of stuck with their their top group for the majority of that game and you, know, you understand why, uh, just because of the, the nature of that game. But when that second half, we talked about how the, the flurry of points that that third quarter was for Nebraska's offense, You know, the adverse effect of that is that your defense is on the field a lot. And I think Michigan's time of possession was through the roof, uh, you know, especially in the second half. And I just think the number of snaps that defense had to play as the game wore on and they got more tired – took a toll on them, which is why, you know, kind of late in the game they they struggled getting off the field on third down and, um, you know, really kind of putting the game away when they had the opportunity. So, you know, I I wonder just how they're going to evaluate that, especially this week. I mean, the fact that this is their eighth straight game, this fact that they're playing against a relatively fresher Minnesota team and the defense kind of got beat up a little bit last week. So you got to wonder if they're going to maybe expand that rotation or try to find other ways to to keep guys from – fizzing out the way they at the end the way they did last week.
3: You're listening here to the Husker online show as we get you ready for this game against Minnesota and you, you talk defense and you know, Tanner Morgan, it feels like he's been at Minnesota um, for many, many years, um, the COVID year and all the other things. Um and, and he's you know he, he was looked at as one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten, Robin, but he's only completing fifty two point two percent of his passes. He's only thrown four touchdown passes on the year to just two interceptions just looking at his passing chart a lot of what he throws you know is is shorter routes doesn't throw a lot of behind this line of scrimmage stuff um, but he's only thrown a total of 19 passes 20 yards or more down the field so hmm. they will throw it deep uh, but not as much as you think I mean maybe four times a game and I think Nebraska's obviously got to be ready for those shots a lot of what they do is timing and and Stuff that's going to be more in the neighborhood of you know ten to twenty yard range.
2: Yeah, and it was interesting because Eric Schneider said that um, he's noticed Morgan taking more shots downfield this year than he had in previous years. So uh, maybe he's talking about just the efficiency in which they've stretched the ball downfield. But um, yeah, I mean this this Minnesota offense has really been an issue for them ever since that week oh, week one. Opener where Mo Ibrahim went down against Ohio State. I mean, they've kind of just been struggling to find an identity, uh, and they started to kind of get something going with with Trey Potts, but uh, obviously that's no longer on the table. So now they're just kind of in scramble mode right now to figure out, you know, are they going to stick with this physical run-oriented offense, or do you kind of put more on on Morgan's plate? And if so, do you trust him enough to be able to, to handle that? I mean, his numbers have been all over the board and and mostly bad i mean that that performance against bowling green and that stunning loss was downright terrible i think it was like what five of 14 or something like that passing against a a mac team and so you know is he capable of putting more on his shoulders or are they just going to have to try to find other ways to be productive on offense given their personnel situation
3: you know this gives you an idea of how good the receivers were at minnesota robin in 2019 Tanner Morgan on throws between the numbers, between the hashes over the middle of 20 yards or more was 15 of 20 Wow. for 614 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, that's an NFL passer rating of 156.3. On outside right deep throws that year, he was 12 of 18 mm. and then he was five of 19 on the left. So he obviously wants to throw in the middle to the right but you know, he, he had one of the better deep ball seasons of any quarterback in the country when he had Rashad Bateman and the other guy, what was his name? Johnson. Johnson. I mean, he had two all-Big Ten receivers on that 2019 team, and it matters. you got to have talent, and they could run the ball and throw the ball, and they just don't have that. And that's what I'm more intrigued at too, Robin, is how is Minnesota going to run the ball this week? We talked about the injuries at running back. They're going to have to get creative. They have an extra week to do it. You had to think that Minnesota knew Trey Potts was out for the year. I'm sure they didn't just find that out on Monday.
2: Yeah, he was in the hospital for like a week straight, so they They kept were counting on him. So,
3: you know, they've had time to really operate and and figure out what they want to do at running back. And, you know, that will be the challenge in this game, um, you know, to come out and, and figure that out. And, you know, in some ways... I know Nebraska likes to put their defense on the field first. In some ways, this might be a good game with Minnesota coming off by to put your offense out there first and, and try to you know, get them off guard a little bit, They're maybe a little bit rusty. Um, but who knows? I think Nebraska does like that approach of keeping the defense out there first. Well, because it's worked
2: really well for them. But, you know, there, there is something to be said for, you know, the, the whole conversation about starting fast and putting Minnesota on its heels right from the jump. I mean, if you take the ball and you go score on your opening drive – Suddenly, all of the pressure is on that Minnesota offense, which uh, you know has a very, I'm sure, methodical game plan of just trying to bleed the clock, uh, grind out yards, shorten the game, and win a low-scoring affair. But if Nebraska's offense is able to throw that script out the window and make them have to try to keep up, that plays directly into Nebraska's favor. So uh, you know, I-, I could see both ways. But right now, given how well the defense has played and how well that script's working, uh, I-, I think... Getting the ball to start the third quarter is such a big deal, and Nebraska's been so good at starting third quarters over the past few weeks that I don't know if you go away from that recipe right now.
3: Yeah, and I'll be curious, Minnesota strikes me as a deferred team, but maybe P.J. Fleck, if they are going to come out with some new wrinkles, and you know, typically Nebraska in the opening defensive drive is going to be very vanilla, very base, and they know what Nebraska does. Maybe Fleck will want to have the ball first because he thinks he can jump up on Nebraska early in this game um. So that the coin toss has become bigger and bigger to me than it used to be. I used to not even care. I mean, I used to not really care about the coin toss because I just feel oh, it takes care of itself. But I feel like the teams are so evenly matched in this conference that the coin toss makes a huge difference in games now.
2: Yeah, especially again with when you're able to capitalize on that, you know, two for one. If you're able to find ways to score at the end of the half. And then get the ball to start the third quarter. That changes the entire uh, course of a game sometimes. And so I think Nebraska's been able to do that significantly better than they have, and they they trust their defense enough now that they realize that's the strength of this team. And so start the game with your strength, and then try to try to build things going into the second half with getting the ball back.
3: Are you a heads or tails guy?
2: Heads, tails for me. Yeah, I don't know why I've always been heads.
3: You got to I mean, you almost got to stick with the same one. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. I mean, you, you can't, can't flip flop. And so I, I'd love to know the strategy of that. You know, if if you always um, call one or the other or how they do it. I mean, for the Michigan State game, it was a commemorative coin.
2: Oh well, yeah, you always got to take Fultz. Always go with faulty well,
3: Wasn't it? Um, um, I think it was Nate Geary. Yeah, they they um, played. We want fultz They they <laughs> played with that commemorative Sadler Fultz coin, and it's like, what do you, you get to pick Sadler on the coin yeah, toss?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you have no choice, and of course, it came up faulty. And, so. and
3: every time, like Gary, would be like, "We're taking faulty." Yep, faulty.
2: No, no doubt, because they used it all year, didn't they? It was just for the one game. No, it
3: was, they used it the whole 2016 yeah. year, and that was a year. Last year, Nebraska was ranked in the top ten. They were seven and zero, and nine and two going in Iowa. So that seems like decades
2: ago. I, say, <laughs> but, I barely remember that. All
3: right, when we come back, we are going to talk more about Nebraska's trip to Ireland. I'm going to be joined by Kevin Byrne, the Consul General of Ireland here in the Midwest. He'll tell me more about Ireland and what you want to know. And later in the show, we'll have a breakdown of the Minnesota Gophers. That's all next. You're listening here to the Oscar Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
3: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan. And as we talked about last week, we had Dana Welch and John Anthony uh, from the Aer Lingus College Football Classic on joining us. And we're going to continue talking about this game as we're really excited to uh, work um, as partners and, and promoters of the game on August 27, 2022 in Aviva Stadium in Dublin, Ireland. And joining us here this week on the Husker Online Show, we've got Kevin Byrne in studio He's the Council General of Ireland, based in Chicago. Explain to our listeners, um, how does that work? You, um, you're the Council General of Ireland. How many of you guys are in the United States, and, 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 and what, are, what is your official duties?
1: Great, no, thanks, uh, Sean. First of all, thanks so much for, for having me on the show. As you can hear from my accent, uh, I'm from Ireland, I'm from the Emerald Isle, um, and what do I do? So I'm Consul General of Ireland uh, to the US Midwest, which means I'm Ireland's official representative here in the Midwest. And our job, there's seven of us uh, in the big uh, Irish city, so Boston, New York, uh, Chicago, San Francisco, etc. And our job is just to really make and strengthen the connections between Ireland and the U.S. So that's what I'm here to do.
3: When you know you've got a pretty big Husker fan in Chicago, Cardinal Blaise Supage, Omaha native. So next time you see Cardinal Supage at Mass, you got to tell him, uh, you know, you're going to Ireland and you might be coming with me, Cardinal
1: well i gotta say uh, august uh, 27 2022 only place to be if you're a nebraska fan is dublin so uh we'll he'll have to travel
3: well this is a once in a lifetime experience i mean nebraska has really never done anything like this in the early 90s they played a game in tokyo japan but it was extremely limited very few people got to go it wasn't on tv this is a much different deal as we look way down the road and you know twenty, thirty, forty thousand fans could travel out to ireland for this experience what are our listeners? What are the Nebraska fans really in store for if they make this trip out to Dublin, Ireland?
1: Well, I got to say, Sean, you said a trip of a lifetime. You know, Ireland. Uh, we have an expression, cade Meal It's in our language, and it means a hundred thousand welcomes, and that's exactly what we want to do for the the Huskers fans. Uh, You know, we're the Emerald Isle, but we're ready to go totally red uh, in August uh, 2022 for Huskers fans. We're really excited about it. Yeah, how is uh,
3: American football embraced in Ireland? I mean, this is probably what the only game that they play a year in Ireland. I mean, has it got people's attention when you see just tens of thousands of fans just roaming around Dublin for that entire week?
1: Yeah, I gotta say it definitely has folks' attention. We watch uh, football, American football, at night uh, when folks get home from bars. They, they watch it. Uh, not everyone knows what's happening all the time, but but we're pretty excited about it. I was there uh, in 2012. There was a Notre Dame Navy game uh, in Dublin, and it just took over the city, and the city embraced it. Uh, and we're ready to do that for for the Huskers when they come over in August. Uh, we're a small city. Uh, our stadium the Aviva is right in the city center uh, so you know the party can start before the game and it can continue right on through
3: yeah tell me more about the venue Aviva stadium obviously none of us are familiar with the stadium what kind of venue is it what typically is played there and converting it to an American football stadium what kind of process goes into that
1: yeah a really good question so the Aviva stadium as I said it's it's one of our big national stadiums uh, we have our national soccer matches there we have our national rugby matches there. Uh, and in Ireland soccer and rugby I suppose are the two big games so really you're coming to, to one of the premier stadiums uh, in the country and as I said we're ready to to welcome everybody in with with open arms it's a pretty new stadium pretty modern uh, it's a little bit smaller than the Husker Stadium here I have to say uh, I've been here about an hour I've been blown away uh, by the welcome I've had I've already been over to the stadium here uh, and it's an impressive sight, I have to say
3: yeah 90,000 people and you know and it's a state of just Over 1.9 million. Think about that. Almost 1 in 20 people in the state are in Nebraska Stadium on a game day.
1: Yeah, which is so impressive. You know, the passion of the Huskers fans is something that we know about, even in Ireland. And we can't wait to see it on our native shores.
3: Yeah, you talk about planning these trips. Now, a lot of people are in that process. Um, You know, how do I do this? What do I do? And, And the website is Huskers, the number two Ireland. That's the home base page where all the great trips, all the great packages that Anthony Travel and Aer Lingus have put together for people to look, lots of options, lots of city options, day options. What's your advice to the person that's like, you know what, I wanna do this trip right, what's my best plan of attack on how to maximize my trip to Ireland, whether it's five, seven, eight days? Well, what I'd
1: say is, look, any trip to Ireland is, is gonna be the trip of a lifetime. You're getting on a plane, you're flying for a little bit, you should stay for as long as you can, would be my advice. The great thing about Ireland is it's a small country, you know, we're five million people, uh, it's smaller than the state of Nebraska, so you can really get around. You know, Dublin, fantastic city. The game's going to be there. It's going to be a festival atmosphere for the whole city. Uh, we're going to roll out the red carpet. But as well, you can get out. You've got some of the best golf courses in the world in Ireland. If you're a golfer, a third of all Lynx courses in the world are in Ireland. If you like your beer or your whiskey, we've got the Jameson Distillery, not so far from Dublin. We've got the Guinness Storehouse, which is Guinness has been brewed there for over 300 years.
3: Go and get yourself a Guinness in Dublin it's a great place to drink it now do they give you a transportation option to get to and from the Jameson fa- factory because I can only imagine you get in there you want to try a little bit of everything
1: oh yeah well look we've got we've got a great uh, train and bus network uh, all around <laughs> Ireland and you know if you're thinking of going over you can get yourself a guide it's pretty cheap uh, they can bring you around uh, make sure that you see all that you need to see
3: yeah how does that work I mean is there is there a way to look up guy? I mean and, and if you take one of the packages on Huskers to Ireland there's going to be a lot of support on the ground that Walk you through. And, you know, one of the reasons they've talked about why you want to book with Huskers to Ireland is you, they've already secured a lot of the key rooms and the key spots, the key things to do, the golfing rounds. And I got a lot of people that I talked to, like, we're going to go out there, we're going to golf two or three days. Well, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that want to golf two or three days. And, you know, I think if you can get that stuff secured with Anthony Travel and Huskers to Ireland right away, um, that, that's pretty important right now.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's exactly it, Sean. Look, check out the website huskersireland.com. Uh, figure out what package works uh, and suits you uh, and get yourselves over to to Ireland I think one of the things I'd say about Ireland is we're incredibly welcoming people um, and when you get there just talk to folks you know that's where you'll have uh, stories in the bars Uh, if you're hopping in a taxi Talk to your talk to your taxi driver. Tell them you're from Nebraska. They'll be excited. They'll tell you what to go and see as well. So I, I think plan your trip, but give yourself a little bit of space to kind of explore what people uh, what people tell you to to do or, or some of the experiences they think you should have as well.
3: So another question I get asked from a lot of people, you know, seven eight day trip. I want to rent a car. I mean, what what's that process like to to rent your own vehicle? Is it is it easy for a guy from Nebraska to say you know what I'm going to get a car and start driving around Ireland. I mean, what's that? I mean, what would you, what advice would you give to somebody that wants to you know have their own vehicle for maybe four or five days of the trip?
1: Yeah, and I think look, uh, having a car gives you that freedom to get out and really see the small towns and villages. We've got this wonderful driving route on the west coast uh, called the Wild Atlantic Way, which is you know one of the best uh, one of the best sea routes that you can do drives you can do in the world. You stop through small towns and villages. There's little festivals happening all the time. People in Ireland are curious, they want to know your story, they want to know where you're from, and they'll really bring you into their hearts and your homes. But if you're thinking of getting a car, I'd say it's a good idea. Uh, We drive on the other side of the road, sometimes (laughs) our roads are a little narrower. Uh, If you're thinking of getting a car, maybe get a smaller car than you would in the States, just again, because it's the other side of the road, Uh, some of our roads are windy but uh but the stories at the end of that road are always great as you
3: can tell we're a big suv pickup truck place i mean you don't you don't actually see a lot of traditional cars in nebraska it's big suvs and cars well yeah that's good information because i I think a lot of people you know they they want guidance on this trip planning because you know they're investing a lot of money i mean a a family could you know if they're taking four people out there it's a lot of Mm -hmm. investment they're putting towards this trip and you only get one chance at it this might be the only time in your life you go to ireland or maybe go to europe um, you know, what other advice would you give to, to people?
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's true. Again, check out the website, huskers to irelandcom uh, See what your options are. You can do so much in Ireland. You can have uh, you can do a city trip, you can tour our main cities, you could do Dublin, uh, you could go up to Belfast, it's two hours from Dublin, over to Galway, two hours from Dublin, down to Cork, three hours from Dublin. So you know, you can, if you decide that you just want to do cities, city bars, city sites, uh, you can do it. If you want to do the game and then go and tour castles, you probably want to get a car, but you can do that as well. If you want to play golf, you can get some T slots, uh, play golf for a couple of, couple of days in different parts of the country. There's so much, you know, we're a small country, but there's so much to do. So really think about what you want to get from the trip so you can start to, to, to plan it an out. Kind animation. of build a priority list. Exactly. Yeah.
3: And Anthony Travel and, and the trips, I mean, they're going to be really culminating with this too. I mean, they're going to help you, you know, when you call and you, you invest in this trip, they're going to make sure you get what you want done.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. Look,
3: Ireland is a welcoming place. What we want, we want you to
1: have uh, a great experience. We often say you don't go to Ireland once, you go to Ireland once and you want to go again. So we're looking forward to welcoming uh, all the Huskers over and then maybe welcome them back for
3: for a second trip. And then I got to ask you about when you're booking flights. I mean, you can go a lot of routes to Ireland, you can fly a lot of different airlines in but Aer Lingus you know, to use them. I mean, that that, that is, the, you get the true experience. I mean, it, and how important is that if you're really going to do this trip right to try to utilize Aer Lingus if you can to get out to Ireland?
1: Yeah, well, look, I think Aer Lingus is some of the best routes and best fares uh, over to Ireland. Your holiday really starts. Uh, you know, once you board an Aer Lingus plane, you're effectively in Ireland. Uh, they, you know, they'll speak Irish to you on the plane. They'll translate it in English, don't worry. Uh, they got some great food. Uh, they got some great Irish traditional foods as well. Uh, on the planes and on top of that they're a sponsor so look they want to make sure that you have the best experience that you're going to have they're waiting for you they're prepared for you guys to come uh and uh, let your holiday start uh start even before you get it even before you get to ireland
3: well kevin we're looking forward to having you in lincoln here and, and hoping that you'll have a great time and we show you some nebraska hospitality but i appreciate the time kevin byrne here uh joining us on the husker online show he's the council general of ireland remember, remember the website is huskers you want to start planning right now because time is ticking you want to go in, and get your passports updated renewed get all these things done <laughs> Because if you're going to go to Ireland, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And right now is when you want to start that. Thanks again, Kevin.
1: Thanks so much, Sean. I look forward to welcoming you to Ireland.
3: All right. Much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here bringing you home as Nebraska gets ready for their 11 a.m. game at Minnesota. On Saturday, and uh, pre- pleased to welcome in here to the program, Alex Carlson, uh, part of the Rivals.com Minnesota site. Um, Alex, appreciate the time um, a- as we get ready for this game on Saturday. And you know, it's been an interesting season uh, for the Gophers. Uh, you, you look at the injuries, particularly at running back. You lose the Big Ten's leading rusher, Mo Ibrahim, against Ohio State. And then they had a really good number two guy, maybe as good as any number two in in the conference, in Trey Potts. Um, And they announced he's out for the season this week with an unknown injury. Kind of size up that running back situation right now here in Minneapolis.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. You know, anytime you you look at a guy like Mo Ibrahim, who was a third-team All-American last year, you're coming into the year and you're thinking this guy's going to put up, you know, possibly a 2,000-yard rushing season potentially, you know, 10-plus touchdowns. He's gonna be in for a huge year. And then of course he goes out game one. Now you're kinda of looking at your other running back depth and seeing right, what do you have here? And then you get a guy like Trey Posse, who's your number two that comes along and he was, you know, second in the big ten in rushing, uh coming into this week before, you know, he obviously is now out for the rest of the year. So um, you know, it's been kinda of just been that type of year unfortunately, just in terms of some of the running back depth there. But, you know, that's why you recruit him and, and of course now it's now it's on to the third, the fourth, the fifth guy here to to kinda of pick up the, the scraps where they left off and continue the new thing moving.
3: Yeah, we're talking here with Alex Carlson of thegopherreport.com. He's their football expert on the site. Alex, when you look at this team, um, how have the expectations maybe changed amongst the fan base um, with the injuries and, and then that Bowling Green loss earlier in the year?
0: I, I think it really did you know, put a tamper on a lot of people's expectations. Um, you know, Even if you do win that game, and you don't know, necessarily have to blow them out, but say you win that game, now you're sitting at 4-1, and one. Your lone loss being to Ohio State and a game that they played pretty well in. You know, they kept it pretty close all the way throughout. It was leading at halftime or so. You know, I think and you might be thinking this could be an eight, nine win year. All of a sudden you drop one at home to Bowling Green on your homecoming. I think you saw a lot of worrisome, you know, trends in that game, especially in the passing game and the lack of kind of downfield threats the team has had, you know, this entire season. Um, I think you kind of put it in perspective that, hey, you know, maybe this team has some holes that we weren't quite aware of before, didn't know how, how drastic or how, how dire it might have been before. Um, but then now you, you know, now you're starting to look at the schedule where you, the has been playing pretty well. They're coming in at home. You have to travel to Iowa later on. You got Wisconsin. And now all of a sudden you, you win that game and you're four and one, you might be thinking, hey, this is an eight, nine, you know, ten win year potentially. Now I think everyone's kind of taking a step and, and step back and saying, well, you know, where realistically do they think, you know, we can finish off the year. So, um, you know, anytime you drop an unring, Chopped an unranked team especially at home when you're homecoming you know it's definitely going to uh it's definitely going to ruffle some feathers internally and, and, and hamper expectations but um you know they're able to get a win last week against Purdue and now it's obviously time to take care of business um and with Nebraska coming to town
3: yeah they were a 31 point favorite in that game against Bowling Green that they lost on homecoming and you talk about just random upsets I mean that came out of nowhere I mean nobody knew that was coming even ESPN when you go back and watch that game they were announcing that game with remote broadcasters I mean they weren't even on site for the broadcasters it's kind of let's put a big 10 game on ESPN and the Gophers are going to win and I mean that that just had to be a shock because under PJ Fleck we just haven't seen a loss like that maybe since his early years
0: yeah I mean I think I think a shock is kind of an understatement I think you know, for what it's worth, you know, I think Minnesota, like you said, 31 point favorite. I think every single person in the building, except for maybe, you know, the Bowling Green bench, probably thought that Minnesota was going to go into that game, you know, run for 250 yards, you know, maybe not necessarily so blow them out, but obviously win the game pretty handedly and, you know, walk in and, you know, get in and get a win and get out of there for your homecoming. And then all of a sudden, Bowling Green had, had other plans. And I think it just kind of goes to show that, you know, any team can lose on any seven, you know, any, any single game day. It's kind of, you have to become ready prepared, even if it's in your own. Your own homecoming at home, obviously that's why they play the game. And and you know Minnesota offense only five for thirteen in the passing game. They only had sixty yards passing that entire game. So I think there was a lot of uh, like I said before a lot of a lot of things that came out of that game that I think maybe from a fan base perspective, kind of said all right, you know maybe this team isn't as far along as as maybe we initially thought they were.
3: When you look at Tanner Morgan, he is one of the better quarterbacks in recent memory at Minnesota in terms of games won and accomplishments but how much does he need the running game to really complement what he does to open things up down the field?
0: Yeah, I think it's huge for him. Um, and just kind of the RPO style that Minnesota plays, a lot of their down-the-field passing game is is predicated upon them being able to run the ball and, and starting to get you know those linebackers and safeties committing a little bit early um, and then trying to hit shots off of that. So you know, Minnesota is a team that runs the ball about 70% of the time you know, as, as we currently stand, Minnesota's last in the big time in passing. Um, and, you know, part of that could be because they're a more run-heavy team, but also I think that kind of shows that they have, up to this point, lacked a little bit of downfield threat and, and some consistency throwing the ball and creating chunk plays off of that. So, you know, I think Tanner Morgan is, um, he's obviously a veteran guy. He's been around, played a lot of football and a lot of, you know, big-time games, but I think it is safe to say that he kind of you know, needs to have a solid running game, and I don't think he's a guy that you maybe give the ball to 40 times and say, hey, you know, throw it around the yard and go win the game for us. I think he's somebody who likes to throw the ball maybe 20 times. Um, a lot of those off play action and try to create, you know, chunk plays off of that. So especially losing a guy like Trey Potts, now you're on your third and fourth running back. Um, I think, you know, Minnesota's ability to try to create even some sort of consistency running against Nebraska is really going to dictate, you know, how that game's going to go.
3: What do you anticipate them doing at running back? I mean, do they have to go with a committee approach, or do you think one of the, the backups? I mean, because they, they've got a lot of other guys on that roster, obviously. Do you think they could just go with one and try to make that guy the next bell cow back in the offense?
0: You know, that's been the trend all year has been uh, has been to find one bell cow and go off of them. Um, they do have the, the one freshman that they do like, his name is named Marquis Irving. He's a true freshman out of the Chicago area. He has come on uh, lately and really been the number two behind Trey Potts the past few games and looked pretty good doing it with some of his quickness. He's you know a pretty quick and shifty guy, but then again you know he's only about five foot ten, 190 pounds, and so we you know just given how you know, a true freshman that kind of frame is, is Marquise Irving really set up to you know run the ball 35 times against a Big Ten team? you know, for a, for a whole season, probably not, right? So as much as I think they like Marquise Irving, I think that he'll be the, the guy we'll start with and probably get the most carries out of the crew. Um, I think it has to be a little bit of a, a committee approach just to ensure they have fresh bodies and, and you know, not, honestly, just not, you know, getting any more running backs injured, so.
3: As we talk here with Alex Carlson of the Gopher Report, let's talk about Nebraska. I mean, this is a Gopher team that came into Lincoln and won with about 45 players coming off COVID the year before, they hammered Nebraska in Minneapolis when they had their really good their really good season uh, under P.J. Fleck. Um, but you know Scott Frost got Fleck the first year. I mean, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Looking at Nebraska with their their recent uh, top ten losses, all by seven points or less, and kind of uh, where the Gophers are at.
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, I think Nebraska, like you said, is a team that actually is playing really good football recently. And if it wasn't for just their strength of the schedule. You know, this could be a one or, you know, two-loss team potentially. And I think offensively it looks like Adrian Martinez has taking a step forward. He's playing some really good football. And, and some of the explosiveness offensively for Nebraska um, I think is really going to, you know, hurt Minnesota. Um, you know, Minnesota's a team that struggles a little bit against the pass. Um, you know, I think they're 10th in the Big Ten, giving them about 230 yards a game. Whereas, you know, you look at a team like Nebraska – Know, they are they're throwing the ball for over 270 a game they average almost 500 yards a game offensively so I think Minnesota has struggled all year a little bit with some of the big plays especially down the field um, I think you have a team like Nebraska that is able to create some of those big chunk plays um, and if they're able to throw the ball you know around the yard at will and then really attack the team vertically you know I think it could be a, a you know a long game for Minnesota
3: you got a prediction right now Alex when you look at this one uh, heading into Saturday
0: you know as much as uh, You know, I'm looking, just looking at how Nebraska's playing, Minnesota losing Trey Potts and just kind of the lack of downfield passing game. I think that Nebraska probably does have the upper hand. Um, I'm going to go 31 to 21 Cornhuskers. Just like I said, just given that I don't know if Minnesota can consistently put points on the board and keep up with them, um, you know, on, on their own side of the ball. And then defensively, I just think that Nebraska has done such a good job of creating chunk plays and moving the ball this year that. Um, you know, that's an area where Minnesota has really struggled. So I think I'll give the Nebraska the upper hand for this one. Well, Alex,
3: it's great been catching up with you here. I'm um, looking forward to seeing you guys on Saturday um, in Minneapolis, and hopefully we get a good football game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, son Appreciate the invite.
3: All right. Well, that wraps it up here for this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Make sure you log on to the site as we'll be on site in Minneapolis. Greg Peterson, our video producer, will be on the road out in Reno, Nevada, covering Husker commit Ashton Page, and we'll have highlights of that as well as well as our Sandhills Global Husker Rewind uh, that drops on Sunday afternoons. <laughs>